children of the world, parents of the world, this is for you. I'm Rowena. And I'm April. We are best friends and moms to five young athletes and sisters to Olympic champions. We have a mission to inspire our kids and your kids through the stories of champions. Who am I? I'm a champion. Who am I? I'm a champion. Who am I? I'm a champion. Okay, champions, welcome back. Today is your lucky day. We are diving into the legendary life and mind of Steve Caballero, one of the world's best skateboarders for over 40 years. He is honored by Thrasher Magazine as Skater of the Century. He's immortalized in the iconic video game, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and by his Vans shoes, the half cab. He's won world titles in both street and vert skating, set a record for the highest air, 11 feet out, you guys, and then the longest board slide, 40 on a 44 foot handrail. Steve turned pro at 15 and to this day has been doing the impossible and giving people a show. He is a bit of a renaissance man. He can do it all. He is an artist who shows his work all over the world. He is a musician performing and touring. He rides motocross and mountain bikes and still skates and competes. Most important of all, Steve is the father to Kayla, Caleb and Clover and grandpa to Cairo. And he's a dog dad to Oliver the Frenchie. We are going to hop right into the interview. Actually, how did you get into skating? Do you want to take us back and tell us how that all started? Well, the way I got into skating was um, in 1976, um, you know, BMX, skateboarding, those were kind of like activities that that, that were people were doing uh, besides being in, in, in ball sports. You know, um, I was first into BMX and and that was because uh, a huge inspiration was uh, Evil Knievel. And I would always try to emulate him by jumping um, garbage cans and building our own little ramps and everything. And um, and I, I even gave it a, an attempt to get into BMX racing, but I went to one race and, and I, I've always been kind of really small <clears throat> my whole life and short. And so I, I figured out really quick that because of my size and, and having to race against my own age limit, um, that I would, I would not be able to win because these guys were like two, three feet taller than me, you know? So I was pretty wise as a child because I just figured it out. Like why waste my time, you know? <laughs> So um, I picked up a skateboard and, and that wasn't about racing. That was just about learning how to balance and, and try to like explore what you could do on a skateboard. And I just had fun with it with the neighborhood kids. And um, then I just went to a store that was selling skateboard magazines and I picked up the skateboard magazine and, and there was two of them. There was Skateboard World and Skateboarder Magazine. And I would kind of look through the pages and, and see what they were doing. Uh, I saw a lot of people doing freestyle tricks, slalom downhill, and then guys building their own ramps and guys actually skating in backyard pools. So it looked, just looked really interesting to me. And so I built my own ramps at my house and whatever I had laying around. They were super janky. Um, I, I studied the magazines. I went to the store and got the soccer pads knee pads elbow pads and I had a hockey helmet because I didn't know what a skateboard helmet was you know or even I didn't even know what a skateboard shop was you know and I started out in those little uh, old 60s roller derby boards with steel wheels and then quickly 
because I that was not very skatable. I went to um, and it was in the 70s. So there was already boards that were made out of uh, plastic and urethane wheels. So I got one of those and learned how to roll and, and balance. And one of my first tricks of skateboarding was going down the driveway and just trying to make a right turn, you know, without falling or or without the wheels um, getting loose and the ball bearings falling out and, you know, trying to put the ball bearings back in, you know, cause we didn't have sealed case ball bearings back, back in the day. So, you know, that, that was my entry to skateboarding, but what really got me super excited about it was um, I went to Disneyland one year and saw that they were building a skateboard park right across the street called the concrete wave in Anaheim, Southern California. And I asked my dad if, the next time we came to um, Disneyland, could I bring my best friend with me and, and try out this skateboard park? And we did. We went the next year and um, I fell in love with it. You know, first time I ever went down a snake run and the first time I ever went frontside because a lot of the pictures in the magazine guys were doing backside kick turns. So all I knew how to do was a kick turn on a ramp. And when I went down a first down, went down a snake run, I had to go backside and then go frontside. And that took me a while to learn how to balance and do that. But um, that got me hooked, you know, and that was, I want to say that was uh, around 77, you know, um, and then lo and behold, um, I have this, heard this rumor that, you know, 20, 20 miles across town into where Campbell was, they were building a skateboard park called Winchester Skate Park. And um, I even drove there before it was open and looked behind the fence and was super excited to get my membership. And I get, ended up getting my first membership there around 1978. Wow. The, the skaters these days don't know how good they have it, do they? <laughs> they do not. Everything, there was nothing free. We all paid, we paid to skate. We paid for equipment. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I had parents that were very supportive of the things that I wanted to do you know and I you know I'm I'm the I'm the youngest out of five but they're a lot older than me um so I always kind of felt like I was the only child because um I didn't really hang out with my brother and my sister um so I just kind of was a neighborhood kid and um I kind of grew up with my mom my dad left my mom when I was 11 and I got into skateboarding at age 12. So I kind of just hanging out with my mom, you know, by ourselves. And um, I think all the other brothers had moved out. So I always kind of felt like I was an only child, you know, for the longest time, even though I had a big family. Yeah. Wow. Did your mom drive you to all this, the, the skating at that point and wait? Or did she just drop you off and leave? What was the um, she would, she would She would sometimes she would drive me to the park and wait there and, and maybe come back. Um, you know, because um, you had to pay for se- it was for sessions. So it was like maybe two hour sessions, you know, so she would sit there for two hours and, and wait for me to skate and, and drive me back home. But as soon as I got sponsored by this other park, which was Campbell Skate Park, which was a mile away from Winchester, um, I got on the Campbell Skate Park team, and then I actually got free skate, and I was actually able to skate um, all day there. So I would take the bus <clears throat> from the southeast side of San Jose and skate there all day, and then my mom would pick me up at night. Yeah, but I, I lived I lived at the skate park. You know, that was my home. I love it. 
Um, you know, one of the things that we love about this podcast is letting the the upcoming champions really interact and kind of be part of it. So we actually have a question um, for you from Rowan Black. He is from uh, Utah and I'm going to play it for you because I think that is going to be even better, but here he is. What did it take to get so good, Oh, is that the video that you sent me? Yeah. What did it take? Rowan, that's actually what we're going to get into in this whole interview. (laughs) (laughs) What does it take to be to be good at skateboarding? Yeah, to get so good. Because we hear like you began just like any other kid, just figuring it out yourself. And now 40 years later, you're still skating, still competing. Um, well, I think it it takes each individual takes uh, something different, you know? Um, but for myself, I, I'm going to speak for myself. It took a lot of passion and love for skateboarding. Um, it took the ability to want to challenge myself. Um, and it took a lot of uh, hard work and practice and overcoming my fears. Um, you know, I, I knew that, that once I got, better at skateboarding um it was going to get easier and the easier and more comfortable you comfortable you feel on a skateboard the tricks start coming quicker and quicker and you start to have more confidence in yourself so i would like to say that confidence plays a huge role in uh getting good um and having a positive mindset of believing in yourself and you know and and having a place to skate you know, and just doing the best you can with what you have. Uh, I was never much of a complainer of what I had to skate. It was more like felt great, grateful and blessed that I had a skateboard, that I was able to go to a place to skate and I made the best of my time. I love it. It's almost like because you didn't have it just given to you that you really had to work hard to find the places to go. And it made you that much more grateful. And that helped build your belief, which is amazing. I I love how you're talking about mindset, actually, because we've heard you talk about how, you know, we believe this and all for all sports is actually why we have this podcast to begin with is to kind of help the Groms realize how important mindset is. But we've especially heard you talk about how mindset is such a big part of skating. Can you talk to us about that and explain just like maybe things that have really helped you with your mindset with um your career well you know like i said each skateboarder is different and each skateboarder has their own different wants and needs and what they feel they want to get out of riding a skateboard you know for me um i looked up to people in the magazine i looked up to have dreaming about wanting to be in a skateboard magazine uh dreaming of becoming a pro skateboarder one day, but I knew that it wasn't going to be just given to me. I knew that I had to work super hard at getting there. So I looked for different avenues to make that happen, you know, by asking my parents to to drive me to the skate park um, all the time um, to like looking in the magazine and, 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 and seeing what was hot, you know, what was cool um, you know, so I was very perceptive of what was going on around me. And, um, you know, I, I, I use that to the best ability of like trying to just be wise and not make as least mistakes as I, as I can on my journey, 
But what I found out about skateboarding is skateboarding doesn't come easy. It's really hard to do. And you fail a lot before you're successful. So the, the lesson that I learned super young about being a skateboarder is you, you need to fail to succeed. And I feel like a lot of people are afraid to fail because of what people will think of them, um, how it makes them feel. Um, but when you have the patience enough to go through all that, um, the ability to experience this, um, well, you know, like overcoming these failures and being successful, it outweighs, you know, the hardships that, that you go through, you know? So I, I learned that at a very young age. So I, I knew that if I did my best, at, le at least my dad would always say like, you know, just do your best, you know, it's not, I'm not looking for you to be perfect or, or, you know, he would, he would always, um, you know, um, have my back when it, when, when it came to competition. Um, he, he supported me in such good ways where, you know, he didn't have these high expectations of me, you know, so I didn't have parents, kind of on my back being like, you need to, you need to do this. You need to do that. They just kind of let me do my own thing. And, but my dad was always like, you know, are you having fun? Cause that's all that matters, you know, enjoy yourself. And, um, you know, as, as long as you had fun and, and you did your best, that's, that's, that's all I care about, you know? So that was a, a great thing to have on my side because it was less pressure. But once I got sponsored, I knew that if I wanted to keep that sponsorship, um, that I was going to have to keep doing my best all the time. And I didn't ever wanted that to go away, you know, and still to this day, I, I never want my sponsorships to go away. So that's why I do the best I can at everything that I, I put my heart and mind to. And I feel that if everyone does the best job they can for whoever they're working for, they're not, they're never going to lose their job. You know, they may be even promoted higher. But, you know, I'm not in the corporate world where you had new CEOs coming in and all of a sudden you're like, you lost your job because the CEO brought another person with them. You know, I'm not in that world. So um, that's that's a whole nother tension that I'm, I'm glad I'm not a part of. Yeah, here, here. It's so simple, the message you're sharing, isn't it? Do your best, have fun. But it's it's crazy how complicated we make it all. So thank you for that. Is there... Do you have any stories, and maybe they don't come to mind right now, but where you were just in a period of failing over and over again, you felt like, I feel like every athlete has this plateau. Um, do you have any stories where you were in that period, it was hard, things weren't working, and maybe um, you turned it around and got what you were working on, a trick or? Well, you know, I, I'm, I felt that my whole life, especially in competition where Perfect example, one of the first bowl contests before there was skate, uh, free skate parks around, um, they had built these wooden bowls. You know, it was kind of like a half pipe, but they had bold corners. So it was kind of half, half pipe this way and half pipe this way, the bowl corners. And I remember skating a competition and, you know, trying to skate it the way I, I wanted to skate it but I didn't kind of skate it like a ball. So I was just trying to figure out, you know, I did all these tricks, but why did I not place as well as the other person? 
So I kind of analyzed the situation. I was like, oh, I need to go around the corners and skate it like a bowl. So that was a big push for me to like relearn the area that I was skating to, to look, you know, more presentable and also um, utilize the bowl the way it should be, you know? So, um, you know, sometimes it takes, like I said, it takes fail, fail, failing at something to, to um, realize, you know, you're going at it the wrong way, you know, you need to go at it this way. So competition has really helped me progress. It's given me the fire to be creative and, and, and learn tricks and, and do things that, that people dream dreamed of uh, and, and pushing skateboarding to higher levels. Um, there's skateboarders out there that, that don't like to deal with the pressure of competing because of the fear of fail, failure or not placing well, but it, that competition is what I grew up on. And that's what helped me be the best skateboarder that I can and give me the motivation to like win a contest. And then the following day go, you know, I go on a trip and have this huge con contest like in LA, win the contest, but then immediately the next day I would be at the skateboard park trying to learn a new trick um, just to be better, you know, because the one thing I've learned about skateboarding or in any other sport, it's really easy to reach the top, but to stay on the top is, is one of the most difficult things to do in, in a professional um, arena, you know, um, because you're hungry for it, you know, and as soon as you get to the top, you lose that hunger. And then there's other people that are underneath you want, want that same spot and they're working harder than you. And, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, natural talent, this natural talent, that this person works just the same as hard as this person. I mean, I don't believe that at all. Um, I, I'm a total non-believer of natural talent. I believe that everything and everybody that has a skill has put the work and effort into it. And I know my body. I don't know someone else's. I don't really know how much work and they put into it. And people don't know how much work I put into what I do. You know, they don't know what's going on in my mind. I could be in the bathroom thinking about my next trick. You know, um, I could be asleep and then waking up and being like, oh, this is what I want to do today. You know, so whatever your mindset is, whatever you have on your mind that and the goals that you want to set for yourself. Um, people don't know how much time you think about some stuff, you know, and everyone's different, you know, so um, I don't believe uh, that someone's more naturally talented than another person. Just some, some people just have more drive than others. And some people are just lazy. Yes, <laughs> this, is, this is everything. And that, I, I feel like actually exactly what you just explained can be in all aspects of life. And it's not just sports and athletics, but exactly what you're talking about is like staying hungry when you get to the top. It's uh, not easy to do. So <laughs> I love that you have been able to do that. And maybe actually that's why, I mean, you're what, like 56 now and you're still skating. Can you talk to us about what has your secret to your longevity? And because <laughs> you're well, such an inspiration to so many. The secret to my longevity is having a positive mental attitude for one and always kind of having the mindset of a 20 year old, you know, of just always being hungry for it and always uh, being excited to learn new things and push it. The hardest part I've learned about being older is which fear 
fear starts to settle in because the in, I, the injuries are the same. The injuries feel the same, but they just take longer to heal. So then when you find out that, well, it's not going to heal in one or two days, it's going to heal in a week or a month. You're, you're a little bit more tentative of like, should I try this? You know, do I want to be hurt or out for a month? You know, so in my older age, um, I think about that a lot, but then I have to shut that off if I, if I want to get to that next level, you know, and, um, you know, that's, that's just the skateboarder in me of like, just always thinking positive and, and wanting to get to that next level. And, you know, in skateboarding, I've been playing catch up my whole life um, after probably 30, you know, relearning older tricks and stuff. And, and, you know, I started out skateboarding in skateboard parks and competitions and bowls and half pipes. And then it went kind of into street skating. So I got really into street skating and I stopped skating bowls and ramps for a while. And then um, after um, a long period of stint uh, with street skating and at age 35 and like eating it and, and falling on gnarly handrails, you know, like 10, 10 stair handrails and trying these double, triple kink handrails and getting super hurt at age 35. It kind of like, I was like, what, why do I need to keep doing this, man? It's like, I don't need to prove anything anymore. So I stopped pushing myself at, at that, at that age uh, of doing that, you know? Um, but I, you know, I had something to prove too, as far as like being able to be um, relevant in the sport. And I felt like I, I helped make that mark with street skating and, um, you know, and then the, uh, interest of bowl skating came back. So I got the pads back on and, and vert skating and, um, you know, I kind of fell back into it and, uh, that's been fun. But like I said, you know, um, I, I would love to, to skate like I was in my twenties. Um, uh, but it's just not, you know, I don't skate as much as I used to. Uh, my body's not as limber as it was. Um, plus I'm also into, I have different, you know, things in my life that take time and, you know, one's family, you know, um, the other is I, I, I'm an artist. The other is I love riding, uh, dirt bikes and mountain bikes. So I spend time doing that. Um, I've gotten hurt really badly riding motocross and that's kind of, um, put a, um, a damper on my skateboarding and an ability to um, feel good on a skateboard because of my injuries on there. So Can you actually, um, I was going to get a little bit gory and ask you what your worst skateboard injury is. Um, mm. But I, I have heard the story about your motocross injury and I love actually how you talked through the process of gaining your um, health back again and pain. Let's tell, I think it was a really, it's a really important lesson for young kids who are in this sport. Like you said, they're going to feel pain. Um, let's get into that story on the bike, the motocross bike. Well, you know, um, a couple of years ago, um, I broke my femur um, riding dirt bikes. Which and- by the way, if I can cut in, yeah. I've heard that breaking a femur is like more painful than childbirth. That's like what a man could compare. compare. <laughs> is that what's, right? What's, <laughs> um, well, what's, what's interesting is to me, it didn't hurt at all. 
Oh. Yeah. And mine was a spiral fracture and it wasn't a compound. So it actually didn't come out of my skin. You know, it was internal. So, um, you know, I never felt any pain. And maybe it was because I was in shock or maybe because I have a, a, th- a, a strong threshold for pain. But um, yeah, it, it didn't hurt one bit. I was just dazed. And, um, but, you know, um, so that happened and I was super, that was like, you know, two and a half years ago, you know, at age, what, 54, you know, um, and I was determined to come back. That was my first surgery. I'd never been under the knife before. So that was a very, very first surgery. Um, I had great surgeons, um, fix my leg up and, um, set it straight. And, um, you know, I was determined to come back, come back strong. And I did, I, I came back in four months. I was back on the dirt bike. I was back skating. And then five months after that, I broke my right ankle riding dirt bikes. (laughs) 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 And I was like, I'm like, really, I can't even go a whole year without getting hurt again. It's like, oh, so here we go back in back up. And I'm like, I go to the doctor and they want to do surgery on my ankle. And, and I opted not to do the surgery and let it heal on its own, which um, I just, you know, it's during, during the COVID time as well. And I just didn't want to get opened up again. So I kind of let my ankle heal the way it did. And um, it probably would have been better off if I did get surgery because uh, my ankle would feel a lot better than it does now. Um, so maybe, you know, in the future, uh, when I have some time, I'll probably go in and, and have them clean it up a little bit. And um, so it's just more, more flexible. It's not as flexible as I want it to be, which in turn is a, it puts a damper on my skating and, and, and how I feel on the board. But, I, you know, like I said, your body's pretty amazing of what it can learn to adapt to. And um, so those, you know, those two injuries, um, but the gnarliest injury I've ever had skateboarding was in 1991. And it was breaking that same right ankle on a vert ramp. Um, but, you know, I've always worn my pads and I've always learned how to fall safely and not take too many chances. Um, and that's why I've been able to sustain a healthy skate career. Um, if you see my daily routine, you see, you'll see that I bail a lot. I don't just go for a lot of tricks and I, I don't plan to land something unless it feels perfect or comfortable and that's probably would be the reason why people say that hey you know you look so smooth when you skate and it's because that's the way I've learned how to skate is I don't land things that it's going to look sketchy. I love it actually let's get into maybe a little bit more technical questions because we have another question from one of our listeners Jake Hamilton from Utah I'm going to play it for you too because California oh he's from California (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Did I write the wrong thing? Yeah. Was that the one from Venice? Yes, you know him. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, here he is. He's awesome. Steve, I have a question for you. What's the key to glorified riding rolls? (laughs) Well, the key to board slides is balance and finding that right balance. And I think that's the key to life is to find balance in everything that you do. Because if you sway to one side, you sway to the other, you end up (laughs) stopping or catching yourself and not gliding through the trick or gliding through your life smoothly. So it's just really just practicing and and, uh, finding that right balance point 
you know, to go as far as you want on a board slide. Um, I've learned that when you're riding rails on the street and I've learned that when you're riding bowls. Um, but what, is, what has helped me a lot uh, to do long board slides or lip slides is I ride plastic rails on the bottom of my board. So I want it to be as slippery as possible. And I don't, I've never wanted it to um, catch and have this friction of, uh, you know, you want it to be slippery. So that's why when people look at my board, they're like, oh, you still use rails like in the eighties and I've never taken them off, you know? So <laughs> that's why um, I've been able to go as far as I, I can. And like I said, you know, everyone has their own way they choose to skate and style has a huge, plays a huge role in skateboarding. And to do a board slide one block or to do a board slide eight blocks looks a lot better, <laughs> you know? So, you know, if I go eight blocks the next day, I want to go nine. And if I see a guy go 10, well, I want to go 11. Ooh, yeah. So that's just, that's just a, that's just a competitiveness in me. And that's what, makes skateboarding exciting and and so you can be competitive in a friendly way and you can be competitive in a way that you inspire others but then you can be competitive in a way that 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 has a bad attitude and and it's not friendly and it's not you know people it's it's something that people don't want to be around you know so it depends on your personality too of how you use that competitiveness uh, competitiveness around you know um and, you know, when you have good friends, you, you, um, you push each other, you know, and, you know, me and Josoy always push each other all the time. It's like, who's going to make this trick first? You know, first one who makes is going to get a, 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 a vanilla latte from Starbucks or something, you know. So in, in that sense, um, that's what brings people together as well. It's just uh, supporting and, and pushing each other. To, to, to make skateboarding look the best it can. And you do that. I'm not a skater, but when I watch you skate and Krishna Soy skate, like so beautiful. I just had to say that. Um, oh, sorry, Tony Hawk, but your guys' <laughs> style is. <laughs> well, Tony, Tony's beautiful in his own way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's progressed the sport more than anybody I, I, that I know of um, it, it, when it comes to bird skateboarding. But on the other side, Tony's personality shines just as much more. And he's like one of the most humblest skateboarders I know. And with all the fame and fortune that he's got, he's really given back to skateboarding um, immensely. You know, um, he's I would say he's the perfect role model that 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 has been picked or, you know, in our sport that I would never choose anybody else to be the next Tony Hawk, you know, mm -hmm. he, he, he's the right person for our sport and, and he's done the best job. So good to hear. Yeah. And you're, you're immortalized, right. In his video games. Yeah. That, yeah. that was a huge blessing and, and, and a great experience in the early 2000s to, uh, to be asked to be one of the, one of the guy, one of the characters in the video game. And, and that actually helped um, launch my career into another level, you know, of fame and uh, notoriety in the sport you know I, I got would I would show up at demos and contests and and meet these parents of uh, these skateboarder kids saying like I know who you are because I you know I see you on our television set every single day when my kids playing the video game you know? so uh, it's kind of cool it really brought 
um, a lot of attention to skateboarding all over the world that people wouldn't even know about skateboarding. So, you know, it's been a good thing, you know. That is so cool. Do you want to tell us the story on how that even came about? Or were you just called one day and like, hey, you're going to be in this video game. Is that okay with you? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think the push of the X Games and Tony Hawk being the star of, of those com- competitions kind of it, it, it gained the attraction of Activision and Neversoft to, to design a skateboard game that, that people could play on their PlayStation, um, on television. And, um, so they got these designers to design this game, Tony Hawk Pro Skateboarder. And when it came out, I, I bought the game and, and, and played it and, and, and learned how to, you know, do all the controls and fell in love with it, you know? And then all of a sudden the next year I get a call from not, not Tony, but the designers of the game, they called and they, they told me they were huge fans and, would I like to be a character in the game? And I was like, of course I would. Like, who wouldn't? That was that was huge. That was huge. And it was a great opportunity for me and a great opportunity for my sponsors and a great opportunity to some of the bands that I know because I was able to introduce music to the video games. Like, I brought um, Nolan Collin from Sweden and also brought Body Jar from Australia. And I was also actually able to include one of my faction songs that the band that I played in on, on the next video game as well. So. it's awesome. Did you have to go into the studio and get all the little hooked up? Like did, did you have to do the moves in person so, or did they just animate you? No, what happened was on the very first games back in 2000, I think Hawk was the only guy that they put those little balls on that suit. And because if you look at the, at the game, every, every character kind of looks the same. Like, their mannerisms are kind of the same. It's just, you're, we're just wearing different clothes. Um, so we didn't have, we didn't go that far, you know, to that extent. Um, but when they re-released the game uh, just la- a couple years ago or last year, we actually went in there and got in this like sphere of like all these lights and cameras and they took photos of our different facial, facial expressions. And so it was more realistic um, I brought up three sets of clothes where they took a bunch of photos of the clothing. And um, so that was more extensive uh, because the way uh, the development of video games and how realistic they are, um, they got a little bit more into um, capturing our likeness. How cool. As a, as a kid, when you first were thinking and looking into skateboarding, I'm sure you never in a million years like dreamt that that would be your future. But that's so cool that you have had this amazing career. I love it. You are obviously a champion in our eyes and I would love for you to kind of tell the audience what what does being a champion mean to you being a champion means giving up a lot of things you know giving up um a lot of time and dedicating it to what you're in what your what your goal or your interest is you know and focusing on that 24 7 you know I wanted that at a very young age. So, you know, age 12. And so at that time I wasn't dating or I wasn't into women, <laughs> girls. So that I didn't have that distraction. Um, I wasn't old enough to drink or do, do drugs. So I didn't have that distraction. You know, um, I think it, it's, it's a little bit harder 
when you get in your, your teenage years where um, you get all these dis- other distractions to keep you from your goals, you know? So, you know, starting out younger, um, I think it's a lot easier to get to that level quicker, but, you know, life is all about distractions. You know, there's always going to be something trying to take you away from your goals and your passions. And that's when you have to make the choice, what you want to focus on, you know? So I think it, I, I think to be a champion, you have to be passionate for one. You have to have a lot of focus. You have to be fearless and you have to be patient, you know, and my definition of patience is long suffering. You know, you have to be, be willing to suffer and a lot of people aren't willing to suffer. So that's why you see a lot of people with lack of patience. Yeah. So many people want what you have, but aren't willing to do what it takes. Well, they want it really quickly. Yeah. You no, know, they want it like handed to them, you know, and I know in the reality of life is things don't come as quick as we want them to. And sometimes things come to people that won't come to you, you know, so you have to be willing to, um, be happy for other people's success as well and not, not let the uh, jealousy of wanting the same thing that someone else has, you know, <clears throat> one of the, I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in my life and I try to share with my kids is that life's not fair. It, we weren't born or created on fairness. So once you realize that life's not fair, then you will be more acceptive to people having more than you. You'll be okay with it. But there's a lot of families and there's a lot of parents that treat their kids the same when they're each individual and, and when you treat everybody the same, you're not, you're not being real because the world doesn't treat you the same. You know, some people get more than others. And if you think that life's fair, you're going to be very disappointed when you get into the real world. These are, I'm so happy you shared this, such wisdom for our young crew listening. Do you... I've been so impressed with you since I got into skating with my kid, um, just watching you, watch how you having, you seem to have this mantle on your shoulders where you just care and you make time for people and you talk to people and you, you just seem to want to give back. Is that something that you had as a young kid when you first got into sport? Is that something that grew with you? It's something I needed to learn. Um, because I was very shy when I was younger. That's why I didn't really date anybody in school because I was too scared to ask a woman on a date. (laughs) My, one of my first girlfriends wasn't until I was, I graduated from school, you know, but because I was uh, afraid of getting turned down, you know, I had this fear of, of, um, what's the word? Rejection. Uh, Rejection. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I had a, I had a lot of fear um, speaking in front of people. I mean, when I had like um, English class where I had to get up and do a, a speech, like <laughs> my lips would be like twitching, and I was just really afraid of what people thought. You know, when at my first interviews in Skateboarder Magazine, you know, my my answers were really short. You know, I didn't really have much to say, so I, I was really shy as a child, and. I had to overcome that, 
You know, I had to learn to be more outspoken and learn to um, just recognize the people around me. And I'll never forget, this happened later on in life and actually helped push me to be a little bit more social was I was with my friend Solomon Agal and we were skating the skate park. And I just noticed, you know, right when we got to the skate park, he introduced himself to everybody and he just made him, he made himself known to these people and made them realize that they were there and they were being noticed because that's, you know, that's the world. We all want to be noticed in one way. We all want to be recognized. You know, that's why Instagram and Facebook so, so popular because you just want to be liked. You know, you want your post to be liked. You want a positive comment or you wouldn't be on there, you know, your or your page is private, you know. Um, so we crave that, you know. So when you're at a skate park and you're able to break that ice with people um, and kind of like, like trip them out like oh my goodness like this famous person is recognizing me that's a special feeling you know and I saw that and I'm like you know what that is so cool like because I would go and sometimes I would go and just focus on what I'm doing because I'm so focused on skateboarding and not pay attention to the people around me you know and here I am trying to do the best that I can to inspire people and then you get comments like oh you know Cab's so stuck up he didn't even say hi to me or didn't even look at me you know, so without even trying to be negative, people will um, assume that you're a certain way. And I used to get bummed out about that when people would say stuff like that, like they, they get the wrong impression, you know. So I do now I go out of my way to recognize people and people see that, you know, and it goes a lot a long way. You know, I've heard other skateboarders talk about other skateboarders like I don't like that that person. The thing that bugs me the most, this is what bugs me the most. And not much, not a lot of things bug me, but when you know somebody and you say hi to them and the next time you see them, they act like they don't even know you, <laughs> you know, and they could probably be going through the same thing too. They probably have a lot of anxiety as well, but I don't know that I'm not in their, their mind, but on the outside, you're thinking like, wow, how stuck up that person is or how like, you know, how can you act a certain way like you know me and then all of a sudden you don't even recognize who I am? You know, it, it, it's hurtful. That's amazing because you have, it sounds like you've done a lot of work with that. Like it hasn't come naturally and not in a, not that you meant to, you know, not care about other people, but you were just so focused on what you were doing. It might've come across that way. So to really put the time and effort into that and realize, well, first of all, realizing that was important and then put the time and effort into that. It's amazing to see how that transition and, and how you probably, it does come kind of naturally to you now. Well, what, what I want to say is your personality outweighs your skill. It's like, when you look at the world, the people that are most remembered are the people that are most kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you can be great at a skill and be, you know, a terrible person and no one's going to even care about the skill, you know. Mm-hmm. And the one thing <clears throat> that I've learned about this world is the same people that lift you up and put you on a pedestal will push you to the ground and push you away if they, if you do something that they don't, they don't, they don't approve of, you know, so you got to watch out of how you represent yourself and um, what you do, because all these things, great, these great things that you work so hard on to become famous and, and to be well-known can be smashed in a second. 
you know, because people mm-hmm. are always, always trying to look for the negative things in, in people. And that kind of bugs me as well, especially on social media is like, you get people commenting all the time and they're always just looking, nitpicking and always looking for the most negative thing they can find within your post. Does it, and it could be in your post or it could be what you said, you know, um, you could have spelt something wrong. So they got to point that out. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like, it's like, come on, man. It's just like, what? And then you go to their page and their page is private. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so you, you know, it's like, there's people out there. They just want to criticize and, and, and be opinionated, but they don't want it, it back on them, you know, so mm-hmm. they're hiding you know, yeah. that's the only thing that bugs me about social media. But so, but social media is a great thing. It's a great tool to uh, spread the word, to inspire. Um, but it's not a place to argue and fight and uh, show how clever you are and how smart and how you can outwit somebody. You know, that's that's not healthy. Um, that's why I left Facebook years ago because I kind of felt like it was a very toxic place. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, it was a very negative place, a lot of complaining, a lot of whining. And who wants to be around a person like that? No one. Not me. (laughs) I'm so glad you brought this up in our conversation because it's, it it is so relevant and you do such a good job on social media. You don't hide away from being who you are. Can you give us, um, and the young ones, some just real life tips when someone, when a hater comes at you on your page, tries to pull you down, says something, what do you do? Like what advice would you give? Well, for one, don't argue with them because you're never going to win. Two, if they're super rude and disrespectful, it's instant block. There's no question. There's no questions. Uh, erase the comment. Um, there's been times where some guys have said some rude stuff, and I I post the um, there's a there's a, a link or something uh, a button there you can post where once the person wants to post, you can see their comment but no one else can. So I have to approve it. So there've been times where I wanted to block a person for being rude, but I didn't. So I just restricted them. And then now all the comments afterwards are all positive, you know? So it's almost like I can take them off their restriction because I have the ability to, to uh, let the whole world see their comments or it's just me and them. So sometimes people just, they just need to learn a lesson of like, you just can't say something rude without, without having a consequence attached to it, you know? So the main thing is just don't argue with people. It's useless, you know? Um, yeah. You, you're never, you, you can't prove your point to someone that, that, that can't hit, that can't hear you, you know? I love it. I love how you just, you said it straight too. like get in the arena. Like if you're not in the arena, like you got to be in the arena, like exactly like you said, you have an amazing, you're, you're putting yourself out there and then you're getting these comments from people that sometimes I know don't even like have a page. They're literally just literally trolls. So we just, it's not even worth your time. Well, we have so enjoyed this conversation with you before we leave. I just have one more question is what would you give your 10 year old self advice? Or even like, I know that might, things have might've changed a lot since, you know, you were 10 up and coming in, in your industry and, and now, but you know, somebody that's around 10 years 
years old, what, what do you feel like is some really good advice that you'd give them if they are like looking at you and they're like, we want, I want to have a career like yours. What, what would you tell them? <laughs> Respect your parents for one, and just work hard and do the best job and don't worry about where you're going to be. Things, things will happen. Um, as long as you just focus on your skill, you know, and just be patient, focus, patience, just be kind to people and you know don't don't be afraid to um also question question things ask questions that's how we learn you know don't be afraid to uh, look ignorant the word ignorant you know a lot of people think find it negative but it, it it's just a, a word that's used that that ex- that describes of not knowing something so there's a lot of things that i'm ignorant to because i don't know you know Um, but when you put the time in to study and learn, you're less ignorant towards that subject and just don't think like, you know, it all, you know, cause there's always someone smarter than you and there's always going to be someone better than you. So just be happy where, where you're at. And Steve, thank you. I think I'm going to play this episode on repeat for my three boys in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think it's going to be one of our most popular episodes. We are so grateful. (laughs) They're going to be like, yeah, right, Grandpa. That was that day. No way. It's a lot different now. (laughs) Oh, no way. My son, Thor, he... He's been asking me for weeks. When are you talking to Steve Caballero? When are you talking? All of his crews, you are current as they come. So, uh, thank you. so everyone, go find Steve on Instagram. He posts his life. He's a such a well-rounded guy. Actually, I had one more question, Steve, before we yeah. go. Um, kind of talking about balance, and I um you know, there's a lot of our listeners who will have challenges in life, who have things that make them different, who have, you know, things that will come to try to stop them. And I think you don't talk about all the things that have probably come to stop you. We couldn't get into it in this interview, but you were born with scoliosis. Is that right? That's true. Is it anything that has affected your skating or is it just... The only way that it's affected me is um, I've had some back injuries Mm -hmm. um, over the years. Um, So I've had a lot of chiropractic work done. My my neck is not because of the scoliosis. We're not quite sure why one of my glands grew longer than the other, which kind of pulls to one side. So it makes my head kind of tilt to one side. A lot of doctors want to blame it on... um, the accident that my mom was in where I was uh, premature, you know, but then uh, there's been other doctors saying like it could have happened in birth when they're pulling you out, you know, so you don't know, you don't know um, how, I don't know how that happened, but um, so that in itself kind of just affected the way that I look to people, you know, Um, you know, people are like, you know, when sometimes when they first meet me, (laughs) they'll be like, did you wake up wrong or something like, you know, like, like, (laughs) because, and that's the type of person that looks at a person and tries to find a flaw. Yeah. So that's the first thing they notice, you know? Mm. So when people talk to me like that, I'm like, Oh, you're one of those people. You're Mm. one of those people that likes to look at someone and find a flaw and talk about it, Mm. you know? So does the <laughs> does so does the neck affect because skateboarding is so much about I mean you gotta oh. does it affect you turning your head 
to not in skateboarding, but in riding my my motorcycle dirt bike, it does because I can turn like pretty much pretty far this way. Mm -hmm. But when I go this way, I'm limited to here. And because so it stops. So when I'm on my motorcycle on the street, I have to turn my whole body to look that way. (laughs) (laughs) So so it doesn't affect you at all, really, just when you have to look right. Only when riding a motorcycle. (laughs) No big deal. No big deal. No big deal. But I wanted to bring this up because this is exactly the gold. You know, all of us will have things that'll be different or weird. And it's like whether we choose to focus on them or not, you know, and uh, yeah. Look, I mean, look at look at some of the skateboarders that you you see coming from Brazil with no legs. Yes. And they're doing all these tricks. And it's like it just they're going above and beyond what's possible, you know, and it's people like that. Like I find like I find the Brazilians are very passionate people. And I I, I learned this when I went to Brazil in 1999 and watched them skate. And I was like, oh, my goodness, if these guys come to the, the U.S., watch out. Because, you know, and so, you know, um, there's a lot of passion in there. And once you, like I said, once you have passion for something, whatever disability you have goes out the door, Mm. you know, and you can prove to people that anything's possible. There's people that don't have any arms and can paint a painting with their, with their feet. You know what I mean? I can't do anything with my toes. (laughs) I just (laughs) wiggle them. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Yeah. When when there's passion and perseverance, um, you'd be amazed what you're capable of. So, you know, to end this on a good note is just like, don't put yourself in a box. You're more than you know than you are. Have faith in yourself and don't just grow up thinking like, this is what I was meant to meant to do. No, that's not true. You know, you're meant to be whatever you put your mind to. You know, um, I, I believe I have faith in God. I'm a Christian. I believe that we are created in his image. And I, I believe that we're all creators in, 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 in one way. And we create our own destiny. You know, um, I believe in choice rather than chance. I believe that other people's choices can ruin our destiny. Um, I believe in free will. You know, I, I believe that God gave us the ability to choose yes or no to anything that's presented to us. So, you know, um, we've been given a great life, um, some more better than others. And like I said, you know, life's not fair. It's never been fair. So just be happy with, with what you what you've got and make the best of it. Mic drop it. Yeah, I'll just seriously, just close it up there. Close it up right there. Go find- oh, Go. thank you, Steve. Thank you so much. Go find him on Instagram at Steve Capillero. Your life will be enriched. Um, <laughs> it's been our lucky day. Thank you, Steve. Yes, uh, thank welcome. you. Welcome.